Blog Talk Radio. to Research at the National Archives and Beyond Blog Talk Radio. This is your host, Bernice Alexander-Bennett, and joining me today is Thomas McEntee to give us the latest information on the release of the 1950 U.S. Census Population Schedules on April 1st, 2022. I can't wait. We'll cover how to access the images, how to locate your ancestors based on their address and enumeration district, and share information on how you can volunteer to index the 1950 U.S. Census. Thomas McEntee is a genealogy professional specializing in using technology and social media to improve genealogy research and to connect with the family history community. So let me give a warm welcome to Thomas McEntee. Welcome, Thomas. Thank you, Bernice. It's great to be here. Oh, I'm just so excited to have you here. But before we start talking about the 1950 census update, what are you looking forward to seeing in the 1950 census? Well, basically, I want to see where my mom is. is. She was born in 41, so this will be her first census, and I believe she would still be living in Jersey City, New Jersey. Mom was one of 12 kids. I don't know how my grandparents did it, but they raised 12 <laughs> kids. And then, and then sometime during the 50s, they moved upstate to New York. So I'm assuming, you know, I, she, she would be nine years old, and I think that she's still there in Jersey City. And secondly, I want to find my great-grandparents. They would have retired from New York City to move up to the Catskill Mountains to some tiny town of 500, and I want to see them on the census as well. I can't wait because guess who's going to be on the census, Thomas? I know. You are, from what I understand, which I can't believe. I can't believe. <laughs> I would think that maybe your first census was 1960 or 70, but. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I can't wait because I'm going to see my siblings, my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. I cannot wait. So yeah, it's be a let's down start talking about, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So tell us about the census. Take us through the updates. What, what do we need to know about the 1950 census? 
Well, some people are asking why why is it why is it released now? And there's a 72-year hold rule for privacy. This was developed during the 1950s. It's a law. And the whole idea was keep in mind what the life expectancy was back there then. You know, they didn't anticipate that here in 2021 we would have centenarians, you know, people living till 116. So they thought that keeping it private for 72 years was enough. Uh, so that's why we have to wait. It's going to be on a Friday. It's April 1st. And the reason is the census date in 1950 was April 1st. So that's when it's going to be released at 12.01, I believe, Eastern time. And just like the 1940 census rollout, do you remember when that happened in 2012, Bernice? Yes, I do. Right. Well, it's going to happen a little bit differently, but they are going to flip a switch. I know from the technical standpoint, let's keep in mind what happened almost 10 years ago. Not everyone had broadband, uh, Internet. Social media was not as big as it is today, and especially keep in mind cloud computing. Right now, you know that FamilySearch and Ancestry, a lot of these genealogy sites, they're not even using their own servers. They use Amazon servers. So this is what's going to happen. Whereas in 2012, all the vendors had to show up at the Silver Spring, Maryland office of, of National Archives. They had to have their own hardware to bring in to download the images. The images for the 1950 are already sitting on cloud servers ready to go. You know, So it's going to be a lot easier for the vendors. But just like 2012 in the 1940 census, there will not be a name index meaning you will not be able to just do a search for someone on April 1st, 2022. Well, that's going to make it a little challenging, isn't it? It is. It is. So this is, you know, this is the protocol that I intend to follow. I've been lecturing on the 1950 census, oh my gosh, since January of this year, because a lot of societies, genealogy, historical societies are interested in getting their folks ready. So the first thing you need to do is determine who do you want to find in the 1950 U.S. Census. Then, and I have a spreadsheet is what I use, and then you need to know their address as of April 1st, 1950. Now, Bernice, what would you, I mean, you know your home address, of course, when you live there, but, you know, how would you go about finding uh, addresses for those people? I have a few suggestions. Guess what I discovered last week? my grandmother's Christmas card list from 1949. And it basically had all these people's names and addresses. And I thought, oh, this is just wonderful. This is going to give me a jump start. If you have diaries or letters with return addresses, uh, city directories, telephone directories, you need to start using them now and write down the address as close to April 1st, 1950 as possible. That's what you need to do. What, what would you suggest in terms of finding these types of addresses, too? Well, first of all, what, what, I, and, have my, yeah. I have my mother's old phone book. And uh-huh. in her phone book, yeah. she wrote addresses of a right. lot of people. I mean, the first, last right. name, and the address, and if they changed their addresses. Exactly. Uh, but right. you, so that, you mentioned yeah. that old, the phone books. The phone books are very yes. helpful. Phone books are helpful. You have to keep in mind also city directories were not as popular. Most people were starting to – they could afford a telephone after World War II. So city directories went out of style, 
and they what was more important were the phone directories. Uh, you know, they only give us phone numbers and addresses. They don't give us all the details we used to get in city directories. So that's the that's part one. That's what you have to do. Then the difficult part comes because you're not going to be able to search by address either. You need to find what's called an enumeration district for that address. Now, an enumeration district is the way that uh, the Census Bureau split up communities so that they could send an enumerator out to do a count of everyone and collect the information. So I grew up in a very, very small town uh, in upstate New York, and I think that we just had one enumeration district probably. And so how are you going to do that? Well, you're going to use the same site that we, many of us used for the 1940 U.S. Census. It's called stevemorse.org, S-T-E-V-E-M-O-R-S-E.org. I will say that Dr. Morse and Dr. Joel Weintraub, who has helped him with this, they've already been working on the 1950 census preparation for eight years now. God bless them. And what they've developed is if you scroll down to the bottom of the page, you'll see there's a tutorial on how to get ready for the 1950 census release, how to search without a name index, and that's what we're saying. So I can explain it, but, I mean, do you remember how it was in the 1940 census when it was released? Yes. Right. So what you need to do is this. Once you get got the address, you go to the Steve Moore site. You go to – he's got a site. It's called the uh, uh, Census ED Finder, Enumeration District Finder. And you take that address. First you pick the state. Then you pick the city. And then you start to put in – the first uh, street. And so for me, for example, in Chicago, I'm going to do Illinois. I'm going to do Cook County. You have to do the county level. Then you have to do Chicago. And then I live on Carmen Avenue, C-A-R-M-E-N Avenue. So if I were to look that up, that's the first part. And guess what? Carmen Avenue runs east, uh, I believe it, yeah, east-west. There must be 35 enumeration districts that that avenue covers. I am not looking through 35 enumeration districts for people. <laughs> so what you then do is the nice thing on the Steve Moore site, he's got a button for Google Maps. It allows you to look up that address on Google Maps, and what you're going to need to determine are cross streets and back streets. So what's a cross street? Cross street would run perpendicular to your street address. So for me, it would be Clark Street on one side and Glenwood Avenue on the other side. That's fine. And that, when I pick that, it narrows it down to three enumeration districts. That's still a lot of pages. That's almost 100 pages of population schedules to go through. So this is when you pick your back streets. Those are the streets that run parallel in front and behind of your street. So for me, it's Winona and it's Winnemac. The minute I pick those, boom, I get one enumeration district, and I will write that down in my spreadsheet, and that's where I'm going to go. In fact, what's even better, Steve Morris has a link, and it's not working right now, but once the images are available, you should be able to click on that enumeration district link and start browsing for your folks. Uh, and you are going to have to browse. Uh, you're not going to be able to search until the volunteers or the commercial vendors index those images. Does that make sense? Yes, it does make sense. 
Yeah. But it does sound like you have to do your homework. You do, and you can prepare now. I mean, you can prepare now collecting those addresses and getting the best possible address. The other thing that's different on the 1950 census, it's the first time they enumerate American citizens abroad, overseas. Keep in mind, coming out of World War II, we still had troops in Germany. We still had troops in Japan. And so they had their own special form, but those folks will show up for the first time as well. So if you had any military service people in 1950, you may want to determine what base they were on. And we're also talking diplomatic corps, uh, merchant marines, anything like that. It's the first time a census has enumerated those people. So we have a very interesting challenge because perhaps many individuals that are listening today, their dad probably was in World War II or their uncle or cousin. Exactly. Right. And you and I talked before the show, and we, you know, this is why the 1950 census is so important. It is a snapshot of American life after World War II. World War II changed a lot of things. And think about 1947. That's an important date for you, and we'll mention it in a minute. It's an important date for my family, too. Uh, 47 is when the GI Bill started to cover and provide housing incentives for GIs. Think about Levittown, Long Island. The first suburban housing development was 1947. So by 1950, we will see a lot of suburbia. And you have a story related to your, your family home, right? That's right, because I know that the the home that my parents purchased, it was in 1947, and it's for returning GIs. So right. it's, it's consistent with what you just said. I mean, I'm, I'm excited exactly. just to yeah. think that... There it is. You can see it, and you know what happened during that particular period of time. Right, right. Also, keep in mind there was a recession in 1947 from an economic standpoint. Keep in mind when the GIs came back, women had to give up those jobs that they had during World So you're also going to see a shift in occupation among women and among men and everything in terms of that information that was collected. Uh, And so there was a separate housing schedule, which will not be released. Those images are not part of, and I don't think they'll ever be released. But because housing was such a critical issue in the late 40s after the war, they did a special housing uh, survey. And But we're dealing with the population schedule. But this is why the 1950 census was so important. And I think its release is important because we have a lot of people, I know a lot of people that are on the census. And it's going to be a stroll down memory lane saying, hey, I remember that family. I remember this area, et cetera. I can't wait. I am so super excited about this. I am too because one of the things I can say is that I grew up in a community where many of the people I grew up with, we finished high school together. Right. And so we will all be on that census. And we will have a lot of stories to tell about the neighborhood. I mean, it exactly. is just exciting. I think I'm going to set up a Zoom call when that census come out, just so that well, we I could talk about the neighborhood, you know, what was going on during exactly. that time. Exactly, and I think you and I had discussed, I think you're going to see a lot of events, especially in March of 2022, leading up. I mean, there were some great events involved for the 1940 release in 2012, 
But social media was nowhere near what it is today. I could see doing TikTok, doing Twitch, uh, doing Instagram. I mean, I'm really hoping that a lot of younger people will start to be curious about the 1950 U.S. Census. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I just remember what the clothes people wore, you know, just looking at that. I have some right. pictures of my mother during that time, and she was a sharp dresser, right. I must say. Right. <laughs> and, see, that would be a great thing on Instagram. I would love to see people's photos from April 1950, you know, what was life like. I mean, we can see it in a, in a, you know, in numbers and letters on these uh, population schedules, but it's another thing to see the images. And I'm just hoping that there are a lot of things. Did you know that one of the one of the surprises on the 1940 census was this? New York Public Library, the Milstein Division, they had digitized the Manhattan, all the New York City 1940 phone books. Well, they set up this whole uh, I don't know what you would call it. I don't want to call it a game, but they had a way for you to uh, add a story to your ancestor or relative that was in the phone book related to the 1940 census. The other thing we were seeing in New York City is this. A lot of younger people that were living in apartments in 2012 decided to say, oh, I wonder who lived in my apartment in 1940. Hey, we have the new census, 1940. We're going to go look it up. And so that's how a lot of the younger people got involved in the 1940 census, just out of pure curiosity. So I'm I'm hoping that there's going to be a lot of online activities. Uh, and, of course, uh, God willing, we will be out of this pandemic. Uh, so I think that, you know, Roots Tech probably will take place in person in Salt Lake City uh, March of next year. And I bet you the 1950 census release is going to be a big focus. Oh, I can imagine. I can just imagine. Well, can you think, I mean, let's let's just talk about what's in the census. I mean, you mentioned some things, but what do you think right. is the most significant thing that we will see in the census that we didn't see in 1940? Uh, I, I think we're going to, oh, I know what the, the form is going to look different. Right now, the mm-hmm. form, it's green. It's printed green. It's green, I'm not yes. Sure that the, well, it's green, but I'm not sure that these were microfilmed in color, so let's keep that in mind. Now, do you remember mm-hmm. for the 1940 census, they started to do the supplemental questions. So yes. the 1940 census was 40 lines, so there were 40 people, and out of that, two lines were picked at random for special supplemental questions. And the questions at the bottom would be things like, where was your father born? Where was your mother born? What was your native language? Nice things like, for women, uh, how many children uh, have you given birth to? How many are still living? You know, So they only picked two out of 40. Well, guess what? The form for 1930, uh, 1950 is only 30 lines. So it looks really, really different. Okay, And then the other thing is this, is that uh, – they pick actually six people out of that for the supplemental questions. And I'm just like, wow, that is just pretty incredible, you know, that they're going to be able to do that. So I'm hoping, you had asked, I'm hoping that my, uh, you know, my people will also be selected for supplemental questions because that gives me a better glimpse into their life as of 1950. Right. It it does. I, I hope mine are too. I'm, I'm really excited yeah. about that. Yeah. 
Now, now the other thing I do want to mention. Look like they really get okay. into the the business. Of, uh, how much did you make last week, or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Well, well. Again, remember, remember the economic situation coming out in 1947 with the recession, et cetera. But the same thing happened in 1940. 1940, we had a question as to where did, where were you living in 1935, and people thought that was right. odd to ask. But think about the Great Depression. A lot of migration. A lot mm-hmm. of people doubling and tripling up households. So certain questions will be around that in terms of, you know, uh, uh, where did, you know, I think it's where did you live? Are you living in the same place that you did last year? That's one of the supplemental questions. Uh, and a lot of it is based on economics. The 1940 census was the first one where they flat out asked, how much money did you make last year? And people didn't like that. Uh, they, they were afraid their neighbors would find out. You and I talked about this whole privacy issue. Privacy was different than it is today. You know, mm-hmm. my mom was raised. She said, you know, the minute you stepped out of your house, and you knew that you were on public view. You knew that you had to be dressed properly. You know, you didn't, you didn't just go down somewhere in your pajamas or sweats or whatever. You know, there was a certain protocol, and people were worried about what other people would know. And so mm-hmm. they're going to ask those same types of questions. What I do want to point out, is do you know what is not in the 1950 census population schedule release? No, what's not in it? Okay. Well, they did something called infant cards. If a child was born after January 1st, 1950, up until April 1st, there was a special card that was filled out. And it had the name, it had the name of the mother, it would have the mother's parents' names and all of this stuff. And now you're going to say, well, why? Well, there was a push to check on state uh, birth record registrations. They wanted to know how accurate, you know, keep in mind, we're in the middle of a baby boom, right? Baby, first baby That's boomer right. was January 1st, 1946. Uh, and so the thing is, this was the push. So the, the goal was to collect these infant cards, go back and verify the information against state records, and then if there wasn't a record, try and push the state to actually go ahead and create those. Wouldn't it be nice if those cards were retained and microfilmed? Guess what? They were destroyed. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason is that it was just, they just wanted the statistics. We, mm-hmm. we always have to keep in mind as genealogists that these census records were never created for genealogy. They were created for other purposes. We are just blessed to, be, to benefit from their existence. So, yes, it would have been great if these infant cards had been saved and had been digitized because when I first read about the infant cards, I was psyched. And then you read down further, oh, yeah, they're no longer existing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so that's a disappointment. Uh, So I don't want anyone to get their hopes up. And I don't – from what my research has shown, those just don't exist. It's not like they're sitting somewhere in a warehouse waiting to be digitized. That's it. Boom, they're gone. Well, that's unfortunate. However, as you said, the census was not created for genealogists. The census mm-hmm. were actually created for another purpose. So let's right, talk right. about uh, indexing. What opportunities yeah, it, do you see coming down for indexing? Right. I, it, it's going to be very similar to the way the rollout was in 2012 from the 1940 census. Uh, Family Search probably will lead the way in terms of volunteer indexing. They did an amazing job in 2012. I was involved with the social media promotion 
of the Family Search Volunteer Indexing. And uh, it was an incredible uh, project. I guess the, uh, it was estimated it would be 180 days. It would take six months to, to index the entire census, and it was done in 123 days, which was wonderful. Now, keep in mind, whereas there were 130 million records for the 1940 census, we're dealing with 145 million records. So we're dealing with more, but mm-hmm. I think due to our, uh, our ability to reach more people via social media, and one of the benefits of the pandemic is many more people are interested in genealogy now uh, since the pandemic. So I think we're going to have uh, accessibility to more volunteers, more interest, and I wouldn't be surprised if we get this done uh, under 120 days. And so once that's done now, also, I'm, it isn't clear right now how they're going to release the index, if they're going to do it partial. Uh, you know, because so, a place like Alaska or a place like Vermont that has a small population, uh, Alaska was not yet a state, but Vermont, you know, I'm not sure if they're going to start releasing state by state, county by county, you know, partial, and that's probably what's going to happen. Uh, vendors like Ancestry probably will do use their normal indexing uh, in terms of whatever they use for commercial purposes to do indexing, uh, but mm-hmm. it'll be great. The other thing that it, I've it tried to suggest – yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, we do go ahead. <laughs> okay, sure. One thing that I've tried to suggest and I'm still pushing for, I volunteered for the 1940 census. You could pick your state, but that was pretty much about it. I'm hoping that I can go and pick at least down to the county level where I grew up because you know what? I know all those names. Wouldn't it be great if you could index the community that you grew up in? Because you Absolutely. would know those names. I would think that indexing would go much faster uh, rather than someone that may have skills in indexing, but, you know, they don't know all the quirks and, you know, they don't know the street address, the street names and everything like that. So I'm hoping that we get more granularity in terms of indexing than we had in the 1940 census. I do, too. Well, do you have any any additional uh, updates you want to share with us before we close out today? No, no, I have no more updates. The thing is, uh, you know, I would set up a Google Alert, if you know what that is. It's, it's a Google – just search for Google Alerts. I would set one up for 1950 U.S. Census. That way you're going to get the latest news sent to your email either once a day or once a week about what's going on with the 1950 Census. I would set that up today. And then I would put on your to-do list to start going through all of this. You can do this, folks. You can look up those enumeration districts now on the Steve Moore site. You don't have to wait until March of next year. Uh, the other thing is, you know, wouldn't it have been perfect during the pandemic when we were all stuck at home if the 1950 census had come out last year? Because I know we would have gotten an index probably in three days. I mean, it's We certainly crazy. would have. We would have. I mean, we were all going crazy, bored, shut in. And But the thing is, you know, th- that's the status. You can't get around that 72-year rule. But, uh, yeah, it's, so I think what people can do now is they can start preparing, and they can start talking it up too. You know, talk to uh, other genealogists and uh, ask them, you know, are you interested in volunteering to index? And this is going to be the number one focus starting, I believe, January of next year. In terms of genealogy, you're going to see webinars, 
how-tos. I already have six different webinars related to this U.S. Census in preparation for the 1950. I'm covering things like street name changes. Uh, some cities had changed their numbering grid for addresses. What are all the codes? You know, there's a lot of coding on these censuses. Why are they coded? Well, you have to take, you know, like a state abbreviation and translate it into a number so they can be put on a data punch card. The 1950 census, it's the first one that they start using the UNIVAC computer several years later to start tabulating information. So, you know, this, this is why this is such a critical census. It is. The form is different. Uh, it looks more modern. And uh, just just the whole uh, the whole census is uh, really important. Well, Thomas, thank you so much for coming on today. I mean, one You're of welcome. the things that I'm excited about is that we're starting to talk about it a year in advance, so right. that by the time it's out, you are already prepared. You know what you exactly. have to do. So right. everyone. Start looking up those addresses. Now start figuring out your enumeration districts. You can do it, and you have enough time to do it. Go, go exactly. back and find those, what you said, the address books and Address uh, books, Christmas card lists, and, and yeah, yeah, all of it. It's yeah. on a lot, yeah. yeah. You know, also yearbooks. Don't forget, my, my mom's yearbook, they would always, for the seniors, they would put print their home address. So yearbooks, and there's a great collection mm -hmm. on Ancestry and other vendors as well. So That's true. So, I mean, it's almost like just think. I mean, think, where would the address come from? Right. <laughs> you'll exactly. think of, you'll have a lot of things. I know even some of the photos that I have on the back photos of the photos, have. they and have guess what? I have Yeah. I also yeah. have hospital bills for baby delivery, and it's I laugh That's because true. the bill was two hundred dollars, two hundred dollars total compared to what it would be today. But still, oh, look at yes, old checks, checks, checkbooks, anything that you're sitting on. You know, when you cleaned out a parent's house or an aunt's house, mm -hmm. uh, those mm -hmm. are going to be rich in things with addresses. Okay, so everyone, you know what you need to do. So I okay. look forward to. All of you joining me next week. This is your host, Bernice Alexander Bennett. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you so Thank much. You. And have a Thanks, great Bernie. day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.